morning. I'm, I'm honored to be with you today. Um, I've been ready for over a year, so I'm going to go ahead and tell myself, Steve, on this one, because last year, months leading up to the convention, Steve called and said, hey man, would you be open to being the alternate preacher for the convention? And I said, man, sure, I'm, any way that I can serve, be glad to. So I showed up last year, sermon ready, dressed in a suit, Steve, all those things to learn that you have to vote on that for them, me to be the convention back up this year. And so anyway, so I've been ready for over a year for this moment to, to do this. So anyway, thought I'd tell myself on that one. I want to invite you to open in God's word to second Corinthians chapter four, and we're going to be in verses 16, 17, and 18 this morning. Louisiana Baptist, I'm so grateful to you. Um, in ways that you'll never know, you have invested in my life, um, through Louisiana Baptist churches, Lanier Baptist and Baton Rouge, Florida Boulevard Baptist Church, where I was a youth, Louisiana College, First Pineville, where I was a student when I was a student at Louisiana Christian University. I'm going to get that right eventually. Um, uh, The New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, Baptist Collegiate Ministry, where I met my wife, Cole, who was active in the BCM at Tech, and I was at Louisiana College then, and and all of those kind of things. And then just the ability to be able to labor with you um, as a pastor in New Orleans, my brothers that are up there from Trinity Baptist Church, I love you guys and miss you. And, and now the joy of being able to serve back in New Orleans, a city I love um, and a church that is full of people that, that love the Lord and, and are with you. And so I just want to thank you for your investment in me and for the joy to be able to stand before you now and proclaim God's word. And the message, the title of today's sermon and, and what I just hope we'll leave with all of us today is, is this. Don't give up. Preach Christ. Don't give up. Preach Christ. And what we see from the Apostle Paul is he's already had many experiences with the church in Corinth. We we see that recorded in the book of Acts, it, it brings us into this understanding of how he got over there and some about the believers there and the gospel going forward. And then we look and we see his first letter to the church in Corinth and we see all kind of things having to be addressed inappropriate relationships, disorderly worship, um, all of these things. But then what he brings them back to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, this is of greatest importance. I want to bring it back to the foundation that, that Christ was crucified according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was resurrected by many witnesses, that he then ascended into heaven and one day he will return. And that will be the day of the resurrection. He spends the rest of chapter 15 talking about that. But now he turns the quarter here in 2 Corinthians and he's still laboring for the advancement of the gospel. But he's now kind of meeting that that painful opposition of people maybe questioning him. And that's part of what he's having to establish here in 2 Corinthians is his own apostolic ministry. Uh, the, the, the nature of his ministry, that he's not done it for material gain, that he's been holding out the gospel. He, he brings us into chapter 4 talking about how we have this treasure in jars of clay so that God gets the glory. And then he brings us all the way to this point, beginning in verse 15, where he says, Indeed, everything is to your benefit so that his grace extends through more and more people. I mean, he is wanting the gospel to keep going to more and more people. It may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. You see, Paul is a man who has been gripped with the gospel and is living for its advancement. He has been gripped by the gospel. He has a grasp on it. And with everything he is, he is bringing Christ to the ends of the earth. And he knows 
He knows that what they need to be reminded of through his example is the importance of bringing this gospel to the ends of the earth. And so here in this passage, he reminds them why he keeps going. And brothers and sisters, especially to my fellow pastors in this room, we need the reminder. We need this reminder from verses 16, 17, and 18 of why we have to keep going. Why we can't give up and why we must preach Christ and Christ alone, Christ crucified, Christ buried, Christ resurrected, Christ ascended, and Christ to return. We must keep preaching Christ and Christ alone in this day. And so I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word for 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul writes, therefore, we do not give up. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So, we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray today that our hearts will be fixed on Christ and that we will live lives that have been gripped by the gospel and that we will live to advance this gospel to the ends of the earth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Don't give up. Preach Christ. Don't give up. Preach Christ. Each verse reminds us of why we can't give up and why we must refocus on preaching Christ. Verse 16, Paul writes, Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Daily. Day by day, we're being renewed inwardly. Just recently, about a month ago, I got a call from a cardiologist that's a member at First Baptist New Orleans. Faithful brother. He lives as a, as a true minister in his workplace. As a cardiologist, he acknowledges that a lot of people come to him because something's wrong. That when they come in, it's, he's got to have that hard conversation with them of, hey, if you don't change things, you're going to have a heart attack and probably die. He has to have those sort of things. And so because he's a follower of Christ, he knows that what holds in the back is not only their life, but their eternity. And so he's been very open with his faith, even as a doctor. And so one of his patients received that diagnosis of liver cancer, told that it's stage four, it's beginning to metastasize, he probably has one month to live. And so Eric Treadaway and his wife Beth go to this doctor, this cardiologist, and they say, Doc, we just need to visit with you. I know it's my liver, it's not my heart, but we know you're a man of God. We know you're a man of God. Can we speak with you and and maybe with your pastor? And I love that this cardiologist then, after his day in the office, he then went to the home of this couple and he went to their table and he shared the gospel. He then contacted me and said, Pastor, would you be willing to go sit down with him? And before I was able to get to them, his cousin, who had been praying for him for years, another Indiana Baptist, 
went to his home and shared the gospel again. An aunt, a a Mississippi Baptist, a woman who's been in the WMU, a woman who's in her late 80s, been praying for Eric his entire life, called him and reminded him of the gospel that she had shared with him many times. And then when I came and I sat down with him and shared the gospel, God used all of those seeds, just like the video we saw a moment ago, all of those interactions to lead him to a place of saying, I'm ready to give my life to the Lord. As I returned for a subsequent visit, after he had prayed and given his life to Christ, he wept at his table as he said, I can't believe I've waited this long. His wife tried to comfort him, said, well, babe, you know, like you were baptized earlier in life. You you know, you've been okay. He's like, no, no, I can't believe I've waited this long to trust the Lord, to give my life to him, to ask him for forgiveness. And then he looked at me and he said, can I be baptized? This is a man who is barely able to stand. So I look at him and I say, Eric, we can go run water in your bathtub right now. And I'll baptize you right here in your home because I know that it's very difficult for you to even move. His body had begun retaining fluid. Um, He was actively dying at this point. He said, no, I I would love to be baptized at the church. His wife didn't recognize him. His wife didn't even understand what he was saying. But there was a peace, a confidence, an assurance that he was embodying in this moment. And so that Sunday morning, the last bit of strength that he had, he walked the steps of the baptistry, walked down into the steps. I was able to share his testimony. And as I baptized him and then raised him up, it was a beautiful portrait of this, that even though this man was dying, he had been born again. And he was being renewed day by day. And as he came up out of those waters, and as he began to walk away, and as the church stood and they applauded, he lifted his hands like this. His was the victory in Christ Jesus. And Saturday, after that Sunday, he went into eternity with Christ. Even though our outer person is being destroyed. Paul's body was literally being destroyed by people stoning him and and persecuting him and all these. But the statement is true for every one of us. These bodies are wearing away. But for those who are in Christ, including Eric Treadaway, brothers, this is why we must proclaim Christ. Christ saved Eric and gave him life eternal. Even in those last weeks of his life, he began to live finally and to live forever. So we do not give up. We must preach Christ. He continues, verse 17, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. He's talking about what he reiterates in other places that that what we're going to experience when we finally behold God as he is, as we experience the fullness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, unhindered by any sin, unhindered by any separation, time and space gone, with him forever, we will not even compare the sufferings that we've been through in this life with the glory that will be revealed. I remember a few weeks back, visiting with some friends and reminiscing about my first hiking trip where we were going to backpack into the mountains, hike the mountains, sleep on the mountain, all of these things. It was my first time to ever like put a pack on that had some weight. I had about 30 pounds on my back, way too much for such a short trip, but I didn't know better. So I put on my pack and we're going. And can I just tell you with every step, I was regretting my life choices. 
I was like, man, this is not fun. Like, I'm, you know, I'm packing through the woods and it's digging into my hips and stuff. My back's aching, all of this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know that this is worth it. I'd much rather just be walking in the woods without a backpack on um, at this point. And so we just kept going and we kept going. And then we, we finally got to that toughest part of the climb where it's almost just going straight up this mountain. And so, man, that, that part was the hardest. And it was starting to get dark. The, 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 you know, we only had probably about a half hour left of daylight. We had to make this ascent to get to where there was a little bit of a clearing. One of the guys knew about it. And so we're, we are pushing and pushing and pushing, dying on the side of this mountain. I mean, just suffering through this. And then finally we get to it. And I've been so focused on what's ahead of me. Just one step at a time. Just, just you know, one step, not falling backwards. Just wanting to get there. That finally we got there. And Corey said, guys, turn around. And when we turned around... We saw the most beautiful sunset that I've ever seen. It extended for miles and miles and miles because we had finally reached the top. And in a moment, can I tell you, I didn't for one second ponder one step on the journey. All was forgotten. Every bit of the the pain subsided in a moment as I then sat down on a rock and for, and for that moment, seemingly, I could have just sat there forever, just beholding the beauty of God's creation. And there are these little moments like that that remind us that this life is that climb. But brothers and sisters, it is going to be worth it. There will not be a, a moment in heaven that we look back and say, well, it, it just wasn't worth it. That the view of God beholding his glory, being with the host of witnesses gathered around his throne from every nation, tribe, and tongue. It it just wasn't the pain. It wasn't worth the suffering that I went through. It it wasn't worth the rejection. It wasn't worth the the words spoken to get me, the the, the negative tweets, the the, the people leaving the church. It just, it wasn't worth it. No, there won't be a moment that we even contemplate it because we'll be so absorbed in the view of his glory His love, mercy, justice, goodness, all of it just completely pouring over us and causing us to join with all the host of heaven of worshiping him. That we will look back and we will say, verse 17 was true, Lord. For our momentary light affliction. This is how Paul speaks of nearly being killed. I mean, he's been stoned and drug away as dead. And then gets up and goes back in and he describes it as momentary light affliction. Is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So brothers and sisters, we don't give up. We must preach Christ. Because we are not the only ones that want to catch the view. We want to be the ones that then lead others to do it. Just as my wife and I recently in the mountains of north georgia took our children and had to encourage each one of them along the way saying guys guys it's going to be worth it come on we got to keep going and my six-year-old daughter and my eight-year-old son and my my 14-year-old daughter and my 12-year-old son i mean like just uh i don't know i just want to stop and all these things come on guys it's going to be worth it and then we finally reach that clearing where we look out and we sit down and all but but one (laughs) said it was worth it Don't give up. Preach Christ. Verse 18. So, we do not focus on what is seen. 
but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want to offer something to you of a diagnostic. This is something that was sobering to me, and I hope for all of us, it's one of these wake-up moments where we realize the importance of preaching Christ and Christ alone. In 2013, there was a young man that was moving to New Orleans. Before coming, his pastor had advised him. He was coming for, um, to, work at, to work on his medical degree. And his pastor had advised him that, hey, email a bunch of the pastors in the New Orleans area and, and, and ask some of these key questions. And, and before you go visit the church, it's just important to kind of get a feel of the pastor and those sort of things. And so I want to read you the kinds of questions that he was asking in 2013. And I want you to hear kind of the flavor of them because he kind of explains a little bit. He says, is preaching normatively done by going verse by verse through a single book of the Bible or does the pastor normatively move around different books of the Bible week to week? I think kind of asking, you know, are you more expository or topical? Like what, what are you looking for there? What is the church's belief on reformed theology? I know this is a hot topic in the SBC and that it does have an impact in terms of a church's view on evangelism, ecclesiastical Number three, what is the church's view on the Trinity and its centrality to the church's theology? I have a Jehovah's Witness neighbor back home and have seen the great need to have a, the Trinity be central in our worship and theology. Number four, does the church have a particular view on elder-led versus congregational ecclesiology? Number five, does the church go about doing evangelism locally and globally? Is the emphasis of evangelism in the church more local, global, or both? Number six, does the church leadership have a particular eschatology? I'm pretty open in this regard, but I know that some churches are rather particular in this area. And does the church have a particular view on the continuation or cessation of certain spiritual gifts? That is, the church's view on the charismatic movement. Now, these questions say a lot about the guy, right? But they also say something about us. I mean, notice he says, I know that's a, a hot topic in SBC life. And he was right. During those days, there, that was a hot topic. Talking about Calvinism and Reformed theology and election, those kind of things. Those were causing some tensions in the church, right? I mean, we remember those days and how we had to weather those things together and talk through those things and continue in our fellowship and our cooperative work and all of these things. But I love that he's also asking questions about specific things of, of God. Well, you know, like, Chad, what's your eschatology? Well, what's your pneumatology, your belief in the Holy Spirit? What's your soteriology, your belief about how we're saved? And he's asking all the ology questions, right? And then a few months ago, I got another text message. This time from a guy that had gone online and seen the service and said, hey, before I come, I've got some questions that I just need to know the answer to before I come. And I, I want you to hear this the way that I did in some ways as a wake up of, of what we are characterized by. 2013, we were characterized by maybe some squabbles about Reformed theology. W where do we believe that moment of salvation? Is it the Spirit that's working? You know, is it my belief? Is it my will? You know, like, oh, you know, we're kind of teasing out some of these passages of Scripture. I want you to hear these questions, and, and I want it to be a reminder of the importance for us to preach Christ. Number one, his first question, was the 2020 election stolen? Number two, what was your church's response to COVID-19 throughout 2020 and 2021? 
Number three, what is your church's policy toward the LGBTQ community? Number four, what explicit political support does your church espouse? Number five, does your church oppose the basic concept of systemic racism? Number six, does the church support equal access to voting, including voting by mail? Now, I just want you to take a moment. His questions say something about him, right? These are two different guys, not the same guy asking the same questions, you know, at two different periods. But I want you to consider for just a moment what that set of questions perhaps says about us and what we are proclaiming. Are we proclaiming Christ or are we speaking about something else from our pulpits? It's a wake up for me of the importance to not give up in preaching Christ and Christ alone. Because notice this, neither individual asked me the one question that really matters. What is the gospel? What do you say the gospel is? When you preach Christ, do you preach him crucified? Do you preach him buried? Do you preach him bodily resurrected? Do you preach him ascended into heaven? And do you preach him as one day returning? That question wasn't asked, but it's the one thing the one message that you and I are called to proclaim. And so let's not get distracted. Let's not make it that these are the issues. These are the things that characterize us. But may it be Christ who characterizes us. May it be Christ that we proclaim. May his gospel be on our tongues. And may his gospel season everything we do. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you, do not give up. Preach Christ. Do not give up. Preach Christ. Do not give up. Preach Christ.